Welcome to Toxicology, brought to you by Recovery Unplugged, the place where we talk about all things substance abuse, recovery, and mental health, with guests offering varying perspectives and viewpoints. Hosts Joseph Gorordo and Jason Cabello share about their addiction and recovery and other serious subject matter through lighthearted yet candid conversation. <laughs> One, two, three, shoot. Gotcha. Go. Hey, welcome to another episode of Toxicology, the best podcast in the entire universe about any subject. We are just, oh, we've, we we've, I, yeah, we just got the news that we've, uh, we've graduated. Ooh. So even though we are a podcast about mental health, addiction, and recovery, we are uh, now the greatest taking over. Take that, Dax Shepard. Oh, shit. Shots fired. Amateur. Tourist. He's kind of big. I wouldn't mess with him. And he's like an old hardcore dude. Like, you know what? probably rough you yeah. up. You know what? You know what? Dax Shepard, I know you like to come to Austin. Next time you come to Austin, you want to come on the show, we'll arm wrestle. Or just be a guest on the podcast. Nah. If, if you beat me at arm wrestling, then we'll let you be a guest. God, you keep on putting your foot in your mouth. I'm just trying to get the guy on. Nah. Stop trying to be such a tough guy. Joseph's been going to the gym a lot lately, and he really Dex. needs to, uh, to prove it. Do you, do you want to show your guns? Is no. this what we're doing? I, no. think, I don't know. I think you might be. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It'll be no. a birthday present for me if you do. <laughs> but your birthday was last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Last week. I get, it. you know, I'm 48 now, so it's like <laughs> I, get, I get times and everything confused. But, you know, it's uh, how you enjoying the fall weather. You got this lovely sweater on today. Even it's... though it's still a little warm, I, I try to beckon the fall a little bit more by bringing because I'm a cold weather person. Yeah. Um, I can't, like, anything over 75 degrees, and I'm, I get grumpy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a yeah. Cold, I'm a, I like it cold. Yeah, no, I, uh, living in Austin means having a collection of hoodies that you don't get enough cold days to wear. Try living in Florida for the for the majority of your life. And it didn't stop me from buying jackets and sweaters. I just <laughs> absolutely, it'd be like one day and I'd have to do five or six outfit changes. <laughs> oh, man. So I got my phone fixed. I feel a lot better than I did last week. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us about what happened after we left the podcast last week and then you got your phone fixed i know a lot of crazy stuff happened well get this so i i use your phone to google map the closest verizon store drive there they are closed because their water main bursts now i could understand if it was a restaurant or something but luckily you have a background in plumbing so you were able to get in there Help the guy out to fix it. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, so I, I get back in there, and you know, there's just water everywhere, all over the. What bathroom. size pipe did they have that was burst? <laughs> it was sixteen and three quarters. Okay, go, oh, yeah. the the, yeah. the, the go to. So I assessed the issue, ran to my car, pulled out my handy dandy plumbing kit, mm-hmm. and I got some of that really cool blue plumber's glue. Going to slap that on there, a little PVC pipe, good to go. I said, "Give me a phone." And they did for the, your service. Well, they made me arm wrestle them. <laughs> they said, if you arm wrestle us and win, we'll give you a new phone. Yeah. Um, and I said, okay, and I won. And I got a new phone. Wow. And life is dandy. That's great. But I will tell you, I'm not a Luddite, but... <laughs> me neither. If I could avoid owning a cell phone at this point in my life, I would. Yeah. Do you think you'd be able to? 
Well, that's I know I'm not able to. But right. oh, if, so let, let's take work out of the equation. Let's take your political career out of the equation. Let's take having to stay connected to your children out I, of the equation. I could live on a flip phone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And a laptop. So if you went on, so let's say you went on a vacation where you, yes. well, you do cruises, so you go yeah, on, yeah. you go on vacations where you yeah. don't do phones. Do you feel yeah. more centered, more at peace, more? In touch yeah. with your your chi. Yeah. 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 I, I'm a more interesting person without a phone. <laughs> you know, life is more interesting. How could that be? So. I couldn't see I couldn't imagine you any more interesting. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's I think there's a lot to be said about uh the pace at which we live our lives nowadays. It's pretty high pace. You know, I mean, you ever get on to buy something on Amazon and they're like, it's gonna be five days, and you're like, Well, what the fuck? I yeah. guess I'll just drive to the goddamn <clears throat> store. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> Funny enough, I, I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. Um, I often relate to the the old man in Shawshank Redemption who gets out of prison, oh, and yeah. he's like bagging groceries, and he's like, "The world has gone and gotten itself into a big hurry," or something yeah. like. Everybody's yeah. gone and gotten yeah. itself in a big hurry. Like and then when he hangs I, himself. When I got clean, yeah. When Spoiler I got, alert. When I got clean, that's where I was. Like my first work email has been. <laughs> At Recovery Unplugged. Like, I, I am, you know, I never had, um, I had never ordered anything online before. Yeah. Up until, like, five years ago, I ordered I ordered a pair of shoes. Once I had, like, a year clean, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try this online shopping thing. And it's, uh, <laughs> I feel like unfrozen caveman lawyer. It's great. <laughs> You're like uh, Brendan Fraser in Encino, man. Yeah, yeah. A um, little bit more... Uh, physically fit but yeah <laughs> i don't know Brendan fraser was good looking at this you know man was no oh, okay let me have this one absolutely you know what oh i mean nowadays <laughs> Brendan Fraser than current day but he's man he is like I, yeah i don't want to i don't want to take any shots no. at Brendan fraser he just seems like such a great dude nothing but love for Brendan fraser yeah dax shepherd on the other hand which you could arm wrestle Dax, I'll arm wrestle Brendan Fraser, and we'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> see who wins. He'd probably um, win. Well, anyway, should, should we get to our guest? Yeah, let's, let's do get, it. So this week's guest is a woman that almost needs no introduction. She is uh, a woman who uh, is the master of any room she walks into. She is a person in long-term recovery. She is the national director of alumni services at Recovery Unplugged. That's fancy. She uh, she is a person who puts up with no bullshit. What are you looking over there for? Cause I, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she is a person who's living her best life in recovery. Just bought her first house and then bought a new car the next day. Cause fuck you, that's why. Um, <laughs> without any further ado, Miss Ashley Armstrong. <laughs> no. You are a bad actress. I'm horrible. I can't lie either. I'm really bad at lying. How did you make it as a drug addict if you couldn't lie? I was just always very truthful. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, officer, I'm high. Yeah. No, I avoided cops, but like I I never lied to like my family about getting high. Yeah. I guess there was there was a few times I lied. No one ever believed me when I lied. Right. So yeah. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Ashley. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank I'm you a... so much. We've been trying to do this for a while. 
get I you. Know. I know you uh, you love being on camera. You love being the center of attention. That's what everybody says about you. That's what I live for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ashley, let's start at the beginning. You're are you you're from Florida, right? Yes. Wow. Broward County. Yes. Fucking a. Ooh. Not from Broward, but I lived in Broward for the majority of my life. Yeah, but Ashley's. I know, um, that's what I'm saying. You like, don't get born in Broward <clears throat> County? Yeah, I was born at Broward General, which I don't even think it's called that anymore. Broward General. Yeah, it is still called is Broward it? General. Yeah. It's like on Copens, I think. Oh or... wait, I was I'm thinking of the one on Andrews Avenue. I don't know. Anyway, you're you listening to the it. best see podcast about Broward County, Florida Hospital. Broward County. So so Ashley, you know, I feel like I say this to everybody, but I don't know a lot about your story. I know you went to rehab a bunch. Yeah. And and then you didn't go to rehab anymore. <laughs> That's about So all what right. happened? That's it. That's my Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh there's a thousand ways in and a thousand ways out. And we hope no. you found yours. <laughs> We're done. Um so let's start at the beginning. You know what? You know, one thing that I'm noticing is that almost everybody that we talk to has what 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 you'll hear referred to in the rooms is the ism before the alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you know, I know I was kind of fucked up before the alcohol and drugs. So let's start there. <laughs> when was the first time you realized you were a little fucked up? I mean, I always I was like, I say I was a really weird kid, but I don't think weird is like the term a correct term to use. Um, I was a very fearful kid, and I like. Um, I hated I hated going to school. I never liked leaving my house at all. Like my entire life was just I was just scared of everything. I was even scared of being at my house. Really? Like I yeah, it was very I don't know. It's almost it feels like a dream thinking back to it because it was just so um like there were like nights that I wouldn't even sleep in my childhood bedroom because I was terrified. Um, I couldn't even tell you what I was terrified of. Yeah. Um, Fear I was, itself? Yeah, I was just, I th- always thought like something bad was going to happen to me. And so there's this overwhelming like fear of the world and people. And yeah. um, so, first day of school must have been. Night, absolute night. I, I used to, um, my, my mom always jokes about this. There was a day that I, it was in elementary school and I went. I unlocked my bedroom door or my bedroom window before I left for the bus stop and I came back and climbed through my window and hid in my closet all day. Yeah. Are you serious? That's how bad I didn't want to go to school. Did you go back out the window and show up at the front door like, I'm home from school? No, I think think that they found me like a few hours in. (laughs) So, but yeah, it was, school is not, I hated school. I didn't have... Like, I wasn't good at making friends because I was too scared to talk to anybody. And I also wasn't good at school because I was too scared to ask for help. Mm. So I pretty much just sat there um, in fear in school um, See, and, until, and I le- until I didn't go back to school. <laughs> it, it's wild hearing you say all that because, like, I know you as the exact opposite. You know, you I see you talking yeah. to people all the time. People say that, but I still have, like, a lot of fear. Obviously, it's better. But, you know, even like, you know, I struggle with driving places that I don't know where it is. Um, There's still like a lot of things um, that 
it still pops up in my life, but I have obviously found ways to live with it and work through it um, since I've been sober. So do you do you identify as someone that has anxiety, like diagnosed anxiety or? I, I mean, I guess I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety since I was born. I, I definitely have anxiety. Um, I wouldn't say it's like to the point of not being able to function. Like I know some people who literally, like I'm scared. Like I'm scared to get in my car and drive every day. That's just my natural feeling of how I feel in life. <laughs> but I still get my car and go. Yeah. There's people who like can't do that. So. So I think we're we're very similar in that because I joke about it a lot, but like. My default setting is anxious yeah. and stressed, and yeah. I just play it off really well, I think, most of the time. Yeah, people all – when I'm, like, running group at work, um, I'll tell them, you know, like, how scared I was when I was first – like, my whole life and when I was first getting sober, and they never believe me. Yeah. They're always, like – you're, you're literally running a group right now. <laughs> There's 40 people in here. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's. I mean, d- does it help that you're working with people who have been through what you've been through, what they've been through, and you could, like, relate to them? And Yeah, it's like I'm talking to a bunch of me, you know? <laughs> um, I, I would hate talking to a bunch of me. I would absolutely hate it. Yeah, I mean, I just... I don't know. I feel like it's it's easier when I'm addressing, yeah, addicts and alcoholics in a group than addressing a group of people who I do not relate with. Right, bunch so. of normies. Yeah. So okay, so so you, growing up, you've got this kind of default anxiety setting, right? Fear, anxiety, and you you go through all these elaborate ways to get around it, like sneaking out your window and all that kind of stuff. And so, when when do you first find something that is a solution for that? Um, I mean, I was always, I always acted out. I was like a bad, bad kid. Um, bad girl. Yeah, I, I always was getting, like, from, I went basically from being silent in school to, like, skipping school. Yeah. Because um, that was my solution in the beginning, you Just know. Just not show up. Exactly. Um, I... I started, like, messing around with, like, you know, weed and alcohol pretty young. Mm -hmm. Um, My neighborhood, everyone in my neighborhood growing up, all of the parents were super heavy drinkers. Um, What neighborhood was it? It's uh, Hillsborough Pines. It's right off of, um, like, Loxahatchee and 441. Okay. But, yeah, everyone was super heavy drinkers, so... They would have these parties, and me and the all the other kids on my street, they're, they're like family to me. I, like, yeah. grew up with these people. They're basically, like, my cousins, and we would, we would like, steal wine coolers and stuff like that. Nobody ever even noticed either. What was the wine cooler of choice? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember any <laughs> of it. Um, I actually don't remember a lot of my childhood. Um, a therapist will tell me that's because of trauma, but... Yeah, I I don't remember. There's like complete years just that I don't remember. Um, Let's hear about those years. (laughs) Yeah, no, I – but yeah, I started messing around with stuff. I – so my my dad was a drug addict and alcoholic. So I always knew about drugs and alcohol. Um, Mm -hmm. 
like there wasn't like one day I found out about them. It was just like something I knew from right. <laughs> the yeah. moment I had a, my first thought. Like I knew that drugs and alcohol were a thing. Um, ironically, I really hated alcohol because when I would see my dad all messed up, if he was drunk, it was way worse. Mm-hmm. Like him and my mom would be fighting, whatever. Cops, anytime the cops got called to my house, it was because he was drunk. But if my dad was high, he was pretty chill, yeah, in my opinion. Mood. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> We're going to make some s'mores. Yeah, they would Empire still, records. my parents would still fight. And I always kind of like <clears throat> thought my mom had a problem. I was like, can you just leave him alone? Like, uh, he's just, yeah. he's literally just sitting there sleeping. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I never had like a, a fear of drugs, which I guess is a, it's a bad thing. Um, I also, my mom would take us to, she was in Al-Anon from when my dad was trying to get sober. And so she would take us and we would go into like the Alateen meetings and I hated it. It was miserable. I hated AA. Um, My grandfather also was in AA. So anytime we would go to like these yearly um, gatherings gatherings at South Miami Hospital because that's where he worked. They had a treatment center out there. And everybody there, there was like where they passed out um, year medallions. And I was just like, this is kind of lame. Is that a VA hospital? I don't know. <laughs> no, because I, I used to bring meetings. No, there, it's yeah. South Miami Hospital is just a just a hospital but they had a separate facility like they have a detox i think this detox is still there but they had a separate off the grounds um residential okay um so you know what they say about alateen what you either successfully graduate and start going to al-anon or you fail and does anybody does anybody go to al-anon after alateen (laughs) yes well eventually my mom stopped making me and my sister go because we hated it um but, yeah, my mom also, I think, you know, she let me and my sister experiment because she knew that was in our blood. Um, Being from Florida. And I think, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, I think that she, um, you know, wanted us to do it the safe way. Right, um, like, do, if you're going to do it, do it at home. Exactly, in a where I know where you are. And, we see that that worked. Just fall asleep next didn't, to your dad. Didn't pan out well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so alcohol and drugs starts to help you cope with this fear, anxiety stuff. That, that... Well, well, I have a question though. So, <laughs> drugs and alcohol were like the one thing that you weren't afraid of, like because you seem like you lived in such fear for so long. But that was the one thing that you're just like, well, okay, I'm going to take a chance here, but not going to school. Yeah. Um. No, I just wasn't, there was no fear. I remember the first time I smoked weed, and I remember my sister, we, it was, we smoked weed together for the first time, like probably nine years old or something mm-hmm. like that, because um, I always hung out with my sister and her friends, and they were like three years older. So everything, when they did it, I did it too. Um, and I remember my sister was scared. That we were gonna get caught, but I was like, "It's fine. <laughs> this is gonna be fine." Like, trust me on this. Yeah. One. Um, so yeah, it just came it came very naturally to me. <laughs> the, um, the confidence to do drugs. Yeah, it's weird, but I feel like with people who grow up in you know 
houses where people are using drugs and alcohol, it really goes one way or the other. Right. And I like, I would see, um, I always think back to like where I'd see my grandfather, you know, who had, he, when he passed away, he had like 32 years sober or something wow. like that. And then I would like see my dad going in and out of treatment. And I was like, yeah, there's really two ways that I can go. Right. Um, and I chose to yeah, I could, go the other way. I so. could definitely relate on the, you don't have this stigma behind it because drugs were, <laughs> drugs were everywhere in my life as mm -hmm. a kid. Like, you know, my, my parents were in the music business. My godfather was a smuggler. My my mom, after, this is after I got clean. We tried to, um, she tried to co-sign for a car for me. This was just maybe like five years ago. And they were like, well, you don't really have, to her, like right. you don't really have like the credit or anything like that. And she was like, well, you know, I was a drug smuggler. What am I going to do? Put that down and like pay taxes on it. So right. yeah, un understanding when, when a kid grows up and there's just, this is just what adults do. And, that, and that's what it was. Like, um, you know, my, my dad... Oh, died from an overdose in 2004. Mm. And my dad, he he had, like, a group of friends um, that he I, – I think of it like me and my friends now. Like, they were all super close. Um, I assume at some point they were all trying to get sober. But within, like, three years, um, three of them died. So I was just like, oh, I guess people just die and, like, they're – 30s right. <laughs> like that's just what i was like i don't you know um it was just kind of normalized where in my in like my home yeah so. yeah i mean if that's what you're that's what you know that's what you know yeah and my mom definitely like um tried to veer us away from it um and especially when me and you know, me and my sister used together for a good portion of um, my early using. And I remember when we started using opiates, she was, like, not having it. Like, she was, like, absolutely not my mom. Yeah. Because um, I was – before I got into opiates – Because you I, just, like, told your mom, like, hey, we started doing Oxycontin. No, or no, she – I wasn't honest with her. I was honest with her – about, like, the Xanax, and I had, like, a phase with ecstasy, as we do. Mm -hmm. um, but I, where I'm from back back then, smoking Roxy's was just the thing to do. Everybody was doing it. I, I know that that sounds crazy, um, especially for back then, but, like, even, like, normal, I, I have a friend who, like, um, she's, like, a lawyer now. And I smoked Roxy's with her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I mean, Broward County, early to mid two thousands. Yeah, it was probably the epicenter of the pill mill at that time. Like, that's where you know it started in, you know, where where was Dope Sick take took place? The show, do you remember? It's like West Virginia, like West yeah. Virginia, yeah. and then and then it moved over because they found some loophole in the law that a pain management clinic. Didn't have to be in a database, so you could you would have down Commercial Boulevard, which is in South Florida, in Fort Lauderdale. There were pain management clinics, as far as the eye can see, no lie. And you could yeah. go, you could go from one doctor to another, to another, to another, and you were getting thirty milligram Roxy's on the street for like five dollars at the time. Yeah, no, it was it was 
it was insane. There was like a joke that um, Roxy's grew on the trees in West Boca. Right. Because they were just everywhere. <clears throat> and it was just, um, but as soon as my mom caught us doing that, yeah. um, she was, that's when she was like, absolutely not. Um, so that I had to hide because she was not a fan of opiates. Probably learning later my first trip to rehab um, that my dad, that's what my dad my dad was doing opiates mm -hmm. and uh, Xanax as well. So. Right. So were you around? So what was your, let's say, what, what was your pill habit at, at what age are we talking about right now? It's hard for me to, like I said, it's hard okay, for me so to remember, but late teens. for reference, um, I know when Nicole graduated high school, we were already getting high. Um, I was kind of, I wasn't like fully into it yet. Um, so I was probably 15 or 16. Um, Nicole, Nicole got worse before I did, mm -hmm. and I was always like super judgmental towards her too, because I was like, "You're a fiend," you know, like, I was yeah. like you're. It's a little embarrassing. Yes. Um, so there was there was this period in time when all of these pain management clinics shut down, and it was almost like every day five or six were shutting down, and this is fueling. Thousands, tens of thousands of people's habits who yeah. are used to getting these, even if they're not going to the doctors, they're able to get them on the street for $5 yeah. a pill. Almost overnight, they're going for $20 a pill. And it was just so many people. I mean, that's when the rehab started. I was like 19 yeah. when that happened. And that's, well, that's when heroin. Mm -hmm. That's when I went to my dealer and he's like, there's no more, uh, but there's this. <clears throat> and I was like, Sounds good. Okay, I'm no dummy. Let's uh, let's There's go. Yeah. No, no contemplation there. No question. Just like, oh, well, this is what well, I. Well, I was already. I was sick. You know, yeah. like I was withdrawing. Um, I was already. I wasn't like fully into. Like I wasn't IVing everything, but I had already started. Yeah. Messing around with needles. So and it was way cheaper to yeah. buy heroin. So it was pretty much just like a. I was like, of course. Yeah, an economic decision. Yeah. So at that point in time, are you st you're living that life and are you still like into it? Like you're like, okay with this is the life I live. Yeah, honestly, I always when I was 19 years old, that was like the worst year of my life. I my addiction progressed backwards. Like I started off because when I was 19, I started smoking crack. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who knows anyone who's ever smoked crack knows that it takes you to your bottom so much faster well, than heroin. Because, like, you can fix heroin three, four times a day, and you're good. Whereas with right. crack, three, four times an hour, right. less, yeah. more, you know? There was a point where I was choosing to buy crack over heroin, and that's when I was, like, I called my mom. I was like, I have a little problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, my dad had paid for, like, a college fund. Like, a Florida has, like, a system yeah. where... You can prepay for your kid's college. Florida prepaid college. Exactly. Funds. So yeah. I cashed that out uh, and I went to detox in Cooper City uh, because I wanted to get off the of crack. I had no interest. <laughs> getting off the opiates. Uh, and getting off opiates. This crack things getting in my way. Yeah. Um, I smoked crack the about five minutes after I left. So that didn't take. Um, but I eventually did back off kind of on my own off the crack because it was just like getting a little too. It was. It was ruining even the little bit of a life that I had with heroin. Um, so I had to eventually stop. 
what were you doing to support your habit back then? Like, were you waiting tables? What were you doing? Um, I was stealing. Um, <laughs> Just running scams? Yeah, yeah, running scams. Doing returns um, and stuff. Yeah, I'm banned from every Coles in the country. Nice. So shout out to Coles. Why is it always Coles? They're just everywhere in South Florida, and they had a, a decent cold. return policy. And yeah, like, and you could take it to the pawn shop. They'd give you uh, 50 give... cents on the dollar. So, Are you flagged from Home Depot, too? I'm not. What? No. I was... When I got... um, It wasn't even the first time I got arrested, but when I got arrested at Kohl's, it was two days after I turned 18, and it scared the shit out of me because I had never... all um, The arrests that I had before I turned 18, obviously, I didn't go to jail... Um, my mom picked me up. So the thought of going to jail, that's another like one of jail, my fears. Jail. Yeah, like yeah. terrified me. So I didn't, um, after that, I just started, you know, robbing houses. <laughs> oh, naturally. So, yeah. So there, there's a picture that I, I have seen of you that your sister gave me, if you know what picture I'm talking about. Am I like leaned over with You're, crack pipes everywhere? Yeah. And yeah. then a rig. Let, let's talk about what, what that day was like, if you remember. Yeah, I had um I was actually living up north with um my best friend Jamie. She lives in Sebastian. She's like my sister. I've known her since I was since I can remember. Um and I was doing this boxing thing. It was going really well for me. I was working for her dad who's in recovery. But every weekend, um, you know, when I would get paid cuz I had a job, I would go back down to South Florida and get high all weekend. And eventually I was like why am I even doing this? Um, so I moved into an efficiency in Pompano. <laughs> oh, you're not you're not talking about why am I doing this, getting high every weekend. No, you're like, why, why am I, am I on going the back up to work? Yeah, okay. it's like this is just it's um it got a little ridiculous. So I moved into an efficiency in Pompano right off Copens and Federal. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm loving all the Broward geography. I think <laughs> yeah. this is really going to hit with our listeners. Yeah, this was like when Flocka was like a thing too. It was terrifying. Pompano was such a scary place to be back yeah, then. Yeah, Pompano Beach is just a little bit north of Fort Lauderdale. And it is super nice if you are on the east side on the beach. But once you go over, I'd say about a mile and a half from the beach westward, it is just not not pretty. Yeah. So I was um I wasn't I I was I had a boyfriend at the time. He was working full time. I would just lay there dope sick until he brought me dope home. But um I had started smoking crack again in that time. Um and I had to have gotten I was like 78 pounds when I checked into Ooh. detox that time. I literally my head looked huge like there there's a picture of me, and I literally looked insane. Um, and yeah, my my sister came and got me out of that. She got me a scholarship into a facility. It's actually not open anymore. It was called Palm Partners, um, and she she picked me up from that efficiency and took me to Palm Partners. So how does it? So I I got sober the same year the iPhones came out. Mm -hmm. So my addiction is not heavily documented because. You know, the world wasn't walking around with cameras in their pockets. How does it feel for you, like, having all these pictures and your documentation of, of your lowest? Like, is it like a like a reminder of, like, how far you've come? Or is it kind of like, God, I wish that didn't exist? Like, I don't really mind. And that's, like, the thing. I, I know people whose, like, extended family don't know a lot about their disease. They get weird about that stuff being on Facebook or whatever. 
everybody in my family, including like my grandparents on both sides, they all know about my addiction. They all are very familiar with addiction. Right. So there was never any like judgment. Um, so I don't really care. There's really not that much of me though. I wasn't. Sometimes I see, you know, we have the alumni Facebook and sometimes I see the clients that are all on meth posting on Facebook and I'm like, thank God that I wasn't a meth girl (laughs) because (laughs) I did not, I was like not like actively posting weird stuff and pictures of myself. I was pretty low key. Just staying home watching Judge Judy. I was actually, I was watching at that. That time I went to detox, I was watching Pretty Little Liars, okay? That was your thing. <laughs> yeah, it was my thing. It was my thing. I was, um, and I would be dope sick and I watch, would watch Pretty Little Liars until my ex-boyfriend came home with the dope. And the whole theme of, it's a horrible show. It's, you know, it's not, it's like funny, it's so bad. Uh-huh. But the whole thing is like, who is A? That's the, you're trying to figure out who this person who signs their name as A is the whole time. And I remember... Nicole was driving me to detox, and I was like, I have to find, who's A? <laughs> like, I need to know. I was, like, Googling it. I couldn't get, like, a, it was, A is evidently three different people. What? I, Spoiler yeah, alert. I know. Jesus. It's, the show came out, like, 15 years ago. That's fine. But. So, okay, so, so, it sounds like you're in this phase at this point in your life where, like, you're going to detox every now and then, but you're not really trying to get sober yet. Yeah. No, so I had um, I the first like actual attempt at getting sober, um, like where I actually tried. It was a facility in Delray Beach, and I, um, I did pretty not the first time. I went through there like three times in a row. I think like the third time, um, I I got out, and you know my sister had an apartment in Delray. She was, she had a few, maybe like two years, maybe not even, maybe like a year at this time. Um, and her best friend, Amy, who was, who's also one of my best friends, um, she got me a job at Molly Made, which is one of the most humbling things. With the hands on top of the car? I don't know about the hands, but yeah, it was, it was um, a very humbling job to be cleaning houses. Um, and me and me and Amy were working at Molly Maid and we were it was like super long shifts too and I lived in sober living and I would go to a meeting after my shift and that was pretty much my life and I enjoyed it. I was like really happy. Um, but I hadn't I like tried working the steps, but I was so delusional. That's the only way I could describe it. It's like my life was everything happened to me. I I saw no part in anything I did you were a victim I was just a victim it was yeah, yeah. and so when I tried to work my steps I, I just it just didn't click um so yeah I had no solution and I just how long did you stay sober that time probably 30 days it doesn't seem like a lot <laughs> no but like no, that's in, in the yeah. time like I was like I am absolutely killing it look, like, yeah, 30 honest days look prior to now my record for staying sober outside of treatment three days yeah. yeah, I would days. say I I would I would get out of treatment and then go do like kratom or some bullshit, and it was just you know it wasn't didn't seem like a big deal, but it was preventing me from actually getting heroin or you, or doing any honest work yeah, because I wouldn't yeah. be telling like a sponsor yeah. or anything like oh yeah I went to the gas station and chugged fucking three things of kratom. So Ashley, how many times did you end up going to treatment? 
I honestly, I remember I wrote it down right one time, and it was RU was Recover Unplug was my nineteenth time, but I honestly don't know. Like if you're throwing detoxes in there, I would have to sit down and with my mother <laughs> get and an a do- abacus and a doctor. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, a lot. Yeah. Um, by the time that picture, um, when I went to you know my sister got me that scholarship into Palm Partners. Um, that was probably like the worst that I had physically looked. Um, I remember I I checked into that facility and I was so underweight that they had to like take me to the hospital and put me on like IV fluids because I was just like wow. not well. Give you like three insures every couple yeah. Hours. And my mom like came to sit with me in the hospital. And I remember just looking at her and I'm just like I suck, <laughs> you know, like that feeling where I'm just like I'm just the worst person um and I still it didn't take um as soon as I got back I had left that facility AMA um I actually am so I was so insane that I didn't think anyone noticed that I left so I I snuck back in into my because this place was like apartments (laughs) and then I overdosed in my room um and that was the end of Florida they you know I I went to the hospital and Florida and, just kicked you out. Well, I went, they did like this, they put me on like red, code red, some shit like that. And they wouldn't let me leave Not my room. Not the Red Mountain Dew? <laughs> no. Okay. And they called, they had like a meeting with my mom and every single therapist there. And they were like, hey, if you don't get her out of Florida, she's going to die. And I was like, fair. Yeah. You were like, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, for Florida to say that, that's a pretty high bar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they were just like you gotta you gotta go somewhere else. Um, so that's what I did. I, I went shipped off to North Carolina. North Carolina. So one really interesting part of your story to me is that you have a longtime boyfriend <laughs> mm-hmm. that you used together with, but also went to treatment together with, and then eventually both got sober. Yeah. When does when does Brett come into the picture? So, you know, I was in North Carolina for a little bit. Um, actually did pretty well there. Yeah. I was working NA, um, but again, had no solution. I think I'm really good at staying sober if I don't know where to get high. Um, the minute one of my roommates was like, hey, I'm heading out to get high, I was like, for sure, me too. Like, right. And I left. Um, Thank God, somebody finally. <laughs> yeah, that was like six months in too, yeah. and it wasn't even like a thought. Yeah. Um. And then I ended up in Michigan, which is where Brett comes into the picture. Um, I ended up in some Scientology facility. Oh, that's yeah. Right, um, the I didn't mean to end up there. Did I you called... have to do the steam room and all that stuff? Yeah, they have saunas. <laughs> um, it wasn't. I I didn't mean to go there. I didn't know I don't where think I was anybody going. Anybody really means to go to a yeah. Well, this place was marketed as like it wasn't marketed like Narcanon is. Yeah. It was marketed as a treatment center. Until you got there, and then there were pictures of, like, L. Ron Hubbard on the walls. And I was like, hold on just a minute. I didn't really care, though. Um, right. I needed somewhere to go. You needed help. They and... offered detox meds. Sounds good to me. Well, like, what, what Jason was calling that victim mentality earlier, like, to me, it was always that, like, not so much a victim, but, like, I'm just going along with whatever happens in life. Yeah. So, like, you just accepted it, right? Yeah, it was just like, this is, it is what it is. Um, they... I actually was interested in it because, you know, um It's something different. I yeah. exactly and I had tried It's good enough for Leah Remini. I right? Had, <laughs> I had tried, um, or I thought I had 
gave like an honest attempt at the steps. So I was like, I'm kind of over AA. Um, I'm going to try this stuff. Um, This interplanetary shit sounds pretty cool. It was like, yeah, like the exercises you did, it was just like, do birds fly? And you would have to repeat that over and over (laughs) and over. They do, though. Yeah. Well, it it didn't make it. It doesn't really make any sense, but you would just like sit and stare at somebody. Audited. You're getting audited. Yeah, and you would just have to say things, or you would have to read the Alice in Wonderland book um, without stopping, no matter what someone was saying to you. It was like all reaction, um, how you reacted to other people. And like learning to control. Exactly. Um, it was very strange. But how long were you there? I was there for like sixty days. I was there for a while. Um, that that was a while to me. <laughs> I didn't stay anywhere long, so right. six days was a long time to me. Um, and I, that's where I met Brett. And wait, so um, Brett was in the science. Brett was Brett ended up. There's not a lot of treatment centers in Michigan. Fair. So um, he ended up at the same place. It was actually his first time in treatment. So oh, <laughs> so you corrupted him. I didn't corrupt him. Okay. Um, you found love in a hopeless place. Exactly. Hashtag Rihanna. So you. If I remember correctly, you ran away from this place, right? Like you. No, 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 no. I gra- I graduated. I did the whole thing. Oh, and then you worked for. The- no, 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 no. I I ended up. That was the second time I went there. I ended up. They shipped me off to California. That's where they sent everybody for sober living. Um, absolutely hated California. It was like the worst two weeks of my life. I am not surprised by this. Yeah. No. I. And I was, Brett was supposed to meet me in California, but at the last minute, they were like, oh, actually, your insurance won't cover this facility in California. So he told his parents that he was just going to, like, get in the car and go to California. And they were like, no, you're not. Um, And they bought me a plane ticket, a one-way ticket back to Michigan. Who's they? Brett's parents. And and I moved in. We're going to fly that girl you met in rehab. Yeah. Yeah, and I moved in with... Keep him from driving them. out there, though. Yeah. That's um, that's classic Michigander, though. They're, like, nice people. Who they're are like, amazing. Oh, sweet girl, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing people. Um, and, yeah, I lived with them um, for about a year. Um, we, stayed, we stayed sober. We weren't doing anything for our recovery, but we stayed... You were abstinent. Yeah, we stayed sober for a little bit, um... Then we started drinking, um, and I remember I went home for New Year's. We I took Brett to Florida Before. for New Year's, and um, I remember we landed, and we met my mom, like, at a restaurant by the airport at, like, a bar. There was, like, a, a fight on, and I remember we sat down, and I was like, Mom, uh, I'm drinking now. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I'm actually, like... I think I'm normal. <laughs> and she was like, okay, you're going to be shooting dope in two weeks, but for sure. Um, and she, was it two and weeks? She gave you too much credit on the two weeks, didn't she? No, I, I, we drank for for a little bit um, before other stuff got thrown into the mix. Um, he actually was doing Kratom, and I, I like caught him doing Kratom, and I was like, I was like, how could you? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then, you know. So when did, uh, how, when did Recovery Unplugged come into the picture? Um, so, yeah, I, you know, eventually got sent 
to um, back to treatment. I ended up working there. And then while I was in, I relapsed while I was working there. They put me back. That's what they do. They just put you back in treatment over and over. As a Scientology place. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I called my sister um, after they had put me back in treatment. I was like, hey, I got to get the fuck out of here. Um, it was like a moment of clarity where I was like, this is not it. Um, and... She was like, cool, you're going to go to Texas. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> That's horrible. Why? Why? I, don't, I was pictured she Texas. working at Recovery Unplugged already? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. She worked in Florida. Um, and yeah, I flew. Of course, I had to make a stop in Florida to get high, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came to Recovery Unplugged in Austin. Who, who came first, you or Brett? Brett came about three months before I did. It's. What did you do for three months while Brett was here and you were there? I was working at the Scientology okay. place, and then I got I was then I was getting high. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that ended up at Recover Unplugged. So, so you came to Austin, stayed sober, eventually got a job at Unplugged. Now, earlier you said you were open to talking about whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's a pretty interesting experience that. For you, right, with both you and Brett in recovery for a period of time, Brett relapsed. Yeah. Let's talk about, I mean, how long did it take you to notice, you know, how did, what was your response to all that? Like, I noticed, I think I noticed um, immediately. There was definitely a time where I, like, didn't say it because I thought it was crazy. Yeah. Um, Because, like, I only had four months sober at the time when he relapsed. Um, and I I remember he would like go into the bathroom for a long time, like take really long showers. And I was like, it's a little suspicious. Um, and then I, it was just suspicion though. And I remember even one time we were leaving, he had a show at Love Goat and we were leaving the show and we got in the car and I was like trying to feel him out. I was like, hey, I wanna get high. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, we're not getting high. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and um, I think, though, like, subconsciously, like, I knew he was high. Mm-hmm. What would you have done if Brett had been like, yeah, let's do it? I don't know. I don't know what it, I would have done. I probably wouldn't. I probably would have got high. Yeah. I don't know. In the moment, you know, right. yeah. I was, like, not in a good place. And obviously, if I'm propositioning him to get high, I'm not in a good place. Yeah. So, And then I... We were at like IHOP or Denny's or something, and we were with one of our friends who he was getting high with, and I saw track marks on their arms, and like the waiter had just walked up to us too, and I was like, "You guys are high," <laughs> and I like it was a huge deal. Did like, they deny it? No, I was crying. Um, my friend, our other friend, was like, "I'm so sorry, Ashley," and Brett was like, "Ashley, you get high all the time." <laughs> Which is well, true. Well, I mean, up until this point, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I've just been relapsed. Yeah. So did did you still order pancakes? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I think I did still eat. Um, just the saddest pancakes yeah. ever. Fruity, um, tooty, fresh, and depressed. Yeah, and then I actually, I had like this weird experience where I was like, should I keep this a secret? Because he like, you know, immediately I was like, you got to figure this out. Like, this can't be a thing. Yeah. Um. But I told my Shelly Joyner, yeah. uh, my house manager at the time, because um, I knew I was like, if I keep this a secret, like I will end up getting yeah. high with them. Yeah. So I told like the a few girls in my house, and 
I told Shelly just where I was at with it. I was just, like, honest with the girls in my life at that time. And um, he eventually went back to Recover Unplugged and got sober. But if I didn't tell anyone about it, I probably would have gotten high. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those cliches that, that, that I hate cliches, but it's true. It's like, you know, when you say you're only as sick as your secrets, right? Like that stuff that you hide is the stuff that will take you out. Yeah. yeah. So really quick, I just want to talk about, we had, we had mentioned before on another show about like kind of finding your tribe, finding the people who you click with. And you, your boyfriend, and his band, Nolo, are just like an organism, essentially. We're just one. Are you the nucleus? <laughs> I think you might be, because you're the only one who's the not in the band. And so when I started coming to I Austin... I think Brett thinks he's the nucleus. I think they all think they're the nucleus, except for Jay. And Richie probably doesn't either. But they're all. I think it's all equal. Can that, can that be a, a five-part, six-part nucleus? Anyway... So when I started coming to Austin for work, um, I'm not sure how how long you guys had sober and clean at the time, but most of the, most of y'all were still were working for Recovery Unplugged at the time, and it was just like the coolest group of people. And I was like, these guys are great. I really want to move to Austin. Like I don't feel like I fit in in Florida. Like these are the people like I feel like I fit in with. And you guys never invite me anywhere. But no, I'm okay. just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is not true. No, I know. I know. I'm just kidding. You and Gabby no. don't leave your house. <laughs> but no, you guys are seriously just like such a positive, happy family. And you guys lived together for years. Yeah. Up until just recently, you bought a house. I know we had mentioned it in the beginning of the show, but you just bought a house with Brett. Yeah. Yeah, no. Those guys, I mean, yeah, we are. We're like one human being. Um, we're, I I would die for any of them. I always tell people, I'm like, if you get a chance to move in with your boyfriend in this band, like, do, <laughs> do it. it. I like, recommend. I complain about them a lot when I live with them because they're loud and they're messy. And, you know, I live with five dudes for yeah. three and a half years. Um but I, yeah, they're. I would die for all of them. Um, and you guys have seen each other through such oh, ups the trauma and downs. bond is yeah. so strong. <laughs> I, I've I've gone to the house after you know a couple of big, momentous, bad things happening, and it's like they have this huge like living room that they just turn into like a bed. It's a mega bed. The mega bed, and everybody yeah. just hangs out we there and the watches TV, together. and it's yeah. it's such a it's really heartwarming to see. It's a you guys. Uh, so how does that feel though? Like to be a homeowner, like you've got a mortgage, and you know from failed Scientologist to homeowner, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, I never. I always think like. People say, like, my life is better than I would have imagined. But, like, I didn't even want this. So it wasn't even something I imagined, you yeah. know. Um, I had no – I had being a homeowner wasn't even a thought in my mind that right. ever occurred. Um, I didn't even think I could ever get a car, you know. Getting a car in general was, like, amazing yeah. to me. But, yeah, it's insane. Um, but I, I worked really hard for it, you know. Yeah. Like, I work – you know, I work at Recovery Unplugged. I work all the time. All I, the time. I'm on call 24-7. My phone is always on. Like, it's... And it's been that way for almost four years, so... So your phone is always on. So what is, what is your title at Recovery Unplugged? Director of... National alum, Director. National Director of Alumni Services. So that means anybody who's gone through Recovery Unplugged has access to you if they're going through something... Good or bad, they want to share 
I got a year in recovery. I got six months in recovery. Or I'm struggling. Can you help me? And th- this is the kind of thing, kind of service yeah. that you provide. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely have taken like a step back from the direct client care. I still am always at the Austin facilities and everyone who goes – I try my best to meet everybody who goes through there. But I'm more overseeing like the department as a whole and trying to figure out ways that we could grow and – Help more people. And Ashley handles the the most difficult of our yeah. clients. The really bad ones. Yeah. Those, those are, are my those are my favorites. You do well with those people though. The problem I do. clients. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. can see it. I read the shift reports to make sure my my little, Your little kiddos. My kids Your are little angels. acting right. They never are. They're always no. you know, AMAing. Yeah. It's true. It's true. You know, when when all resources, the facilities have been exhausted, it's like, have you put them on the phone with Ashley? Yet? <laughs> last yeah. last ditch effort. Is Ashley will just go on the like? You know, they'll talk to the therapist. The therapist will be like, you know, well, what are you feeling right now? What's going on? You know, they'll talk to the techs. We'll try to be like their buddy, and they get on the phone with Ashley, and she's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" The big guns. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why are you? And then they're just like, "You're right. I'll be good." Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Lasts for about an hour. <laughs> yeah. Until. It's literally 5 p.m. on Friday. Yes. That's when they decide they're going to leave. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But you really do save lives, Ashley. I've, I've seen it happen firsthand. You know, you, you, you do great work. Um, always there for anybody who needs help. And it's very, very appreciated. And, and you throw great parties. Thank you. I, yeah. Maybe that's I'll get another... invited to one one day. Are you, yeah, are you, oh, you're, yeah, we're good. We're doing. Are you gonna a, be at eight AM on Friday? <laughs> you gonna, see, she was about to invite me, and she's like, oh, "I can't do that." No, we're doing a Halloween uh, spooky speaker meeting. <laughs> okay, sounds terrifying. I'll be there. Awesome. All right. Well, we've come to that time. It's a sad time because we're getting towards the end of the show, but it's also a happy time because it's rapid, rapid fire, fire question, question Rapid Fire Question Time. You just saw a bunch of explosions. You're overwhelmed. Wow. (laughs) All right, Ashley. Brett's band needs a new name. You have been tasked with coming up with a new name, and you only have five seconds to think about it. What is their new name? Three. I don't know. That's a really hard question. Mm, is it? What would you call them? Oh, um, Yeehaw and the Boogie Times. That's pretty good. I I do have a band for if my cats and Bean had a band. <laughs> Bean has been a subject on the show before. Yeah. It's J- um, Jason Amato's dog. It would be Frito Feet and the Biscuit Boys. <laughs> yes. There we go. Bean's obviously Frito Feet. <laughs> The right. biscuit boys are my cats. That's awesome. <laughs> so maybe they Nola can use that if the yes. if the cats don't take off their it. career. All right, fellow Elliot Smith fan, what is your least favorite Elliot Smith song? The happy one. Least favorite. Um. So. I'll just remind you real quick. This segment is called Rapid. Rapid. Yeah, I know. Fire. You're asking really hard questions. <laughs> That's the um, Probably something off Roman Candle. Okay. I couldn't tell you one 
specific song, though. Intriguing. Thank you. Fair. All right. So far, I've answered none of the questions. (laughs) Ben and Jerry reach out to you. They would like to make you the new flavor of Ben and Jerry. What do you have in your ice cream, and what do you call it? Um, Vanilla, just vanilla and strawberries, and I would call it This Is Good Enough. (laughs) I was hoping it was going to be Fritos and Biscuits. Frito feeding the busy boys. Well, I'm saying the ice cream would be Frito and Biscuits. All right. How many days do you have sober? How many days? I don't know. Take a guess. (laughs) Um, fourteen hundred and thirty-two. I think that's close. All right. Uh, Oh, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. What's your favorite flavor of Escobar? (laughs) Right now, the blue gummy. (laughs) That's easy. Maybe we can get Escobar sponsorship. Blue gummy. Try it today. Thousand ways in, thousand ways out. No. <laughs> oh yeah. So parting words. Hope. You get you get share it. Talk. Um <laughs> somebody's out there still struggling. Yeah, I I mean I always say if I could say like one thing to somebody who's struggling, it's just to like not give up. If even if you are in that cycle where you keep getting high and um over and over again. Um just do your best to stay alive until you can get out of it. That sounds kind of morbid, but it's just no, like it's the true. case these days. Like, do your best to stay alive. Carry yeah. Narcan, test your dope, um, and always get high with a friend if you're going to get high. If you've still got friends. If you've still got friends. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on. It's truly a joy, just a bright spot, as always. Thank you. <laughs> bright spot, Ashley. That's what they call I, um, her. It was always my dream to come on toxicology. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you to our loyal listeners. Uh, and as we like to say here on Toxicology, there's a thousand ways in. And a thousand ways out. And we hope you, you find, find yours. yours. I never remember that. <laughs>